this morning, we're going to talk about the fact that you were worth it. And we're going to talk a little bit about identity, and we're going to talk a little bit about iPhone free. We're going to talk a little bit about a lot of things. If you have notes you want to take this morning, I really encourage you guys to take snapshots of, of the things that are being said because there are things that are going to hold you through during the difficult times. The word of God is what stays true. It never changes. It never fails. And the word of God is what gives us the bread that we need every single day. It's the living water. It's the thing that fills our cup to the overflow. And if we are constantly, daily, meditating on his word, then we're going to live a different life than we thought we, we ever could. And I want to explain something to you guys. Identity, what does it mean? It is, identity is identified as a series of characteristics, experiences, and traits that distinguish a person from others. Right? Everybody is completely different from the person next to them. It's what makes you you. Right? And so we hear about nature versus nurture, your environment, the things that surround you are the things that make you who you are, who your parents were, right? Your DNA is part of what makes you who you are. Um, the things that you've gone through throughout your life are part of what makes you who you are. And all those roads that you had to take, it led you straight here. So you need to thank him this morning for everything that you've ever been through in your life because it brought you here this morning. It brought you here into a saving grace of who he is and what he wants to do in your life and called you into purpose. It makes you, it's what makes you, you. But I like to talk about the original design. I like to talk about what was supposed to happen from the very beginning. And it says in Genesis 1, 26 to 27, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our own likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wind, wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so we see that from the very beginning, we were called to be like God. We were called in his likeness. We were called to walk like him, to talk like him, to think like him. We were called to do what he did, right? And we know that later on, Jesus came to establish that very thing because we couldn't get it together. Let's be honest. Mankind couldn't get their things together. And so Jesus had to come to save the world from, all human from, from ourselves, really, and from everything that was happening. In the beginning, Adam and Eve walked and talked with God. Now, that within itself is a privilege. And I'm not talking about how we have the opportunity to hear from him. They physically walked with God. God was present. He made himself known to them because he wanted from the very beginning fellowship. They lived in innocence and in purity. They lived in perfect peace. They were given dominion over all the earth. Adam was given the responsibility to name every animal in all the earth. We were given dominion over all the earth and we were commissioned to be fruitful and multiply. But there was a thing that God established, right? And that was free will. In the Garden of Eden, we know that there was the tree of, of knowledge of good and evil, right? And God said, do not eat. You can eat from anything in all the world. You can eat anything from the Eden, the Garden of Eden. But from this tree, do not eat. Because the moment you eat, right, you will know the truth. You will know what good and evil, the difference between good and evil. And so we know the story, right? 
Eve is, is confronted by the serpent, and the serpent, you know, entices her and, and switches the word of God, right? Did he really say? Did he really say that you couldn't do that? And so Eve in her, I guess, in her yearning and her desire to want something that God had established for us not to have, had it anyway. But nothing happened when she ate it. Because the covenant was made with Adam. And Adam, the moment that he ate it, everything changed. What's the first thing that Adam does? He blames God. He blames God for giving him this woman. This woman you gave me made me do this. Don't we do that sometimes? We blame God. I'm not talking about the woman part, guys. I'm talking about the God part. We blame God for the things that happen to us when really the things that happen to us are only consequences of the things that we do. We love to blame God for the things that we were enticed by, right? We have consequences to those things. And then all of a sudden we're like, God, why? Well, I wasn't in, there in your life from the very, you didn't ask me. You didn't console with me. And so now you're wondering why your life is a mess. And so this is what happened from the very beginning. But I love C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis writes this about free will. We, we sometimes question why things happen in the world. We question why God um, allows all these things to take place. We, we question God, why? why? Why is there so much happening within the world? Why are so many people dying? Why are there so many innocent people that are going hungry? Why, God, why? And it's because God established something here on this earth, and it's called free will. Adam and Eve had free will when they made a choice to eat from the garden, right, from, from the fruit of knowledge. They made a choice to eat it, and that was their choice. God gave them that opportunity. But C.S. Lewis writes it this way, and it's a little long, but I, wanna, I want you guys to hear this out. It says, God created things which are free will. That means creatures which can go either wrong or right. Some people think they can imagine a creature which was free, but had no possibility of going wrong. I cannot. If a thing is free to do what is also free, if a thing is free to do good, it is also free to do bad. And free will is what has made evil possible. Why then did God give them free will? Because free will, though it makes evil possible, is also the only thing that makes possible any love or kindness or joy worth having. The happiness of being freely, voluntarily united to him and to each other is the ecstasy of love and delight compared with, with which the most rapturous love between a man and a woman on this earth is mere milk and water. And for that, they must be free. So free will is the opportunity that we have to come and join him in fellowship, to walk with him, to talk with him, to have every opportunity to know him. Without it, we would just be robots. Without free will, we would just be robots doing everything like machines. God is asking me to go to the left, so I'm going to go to the left. God is asking me to go to the right, so I'm going to go to the right. And in having robots, there's no sense of intimacy because they're already doing what they know they have to do. But they don't have a choice. And God wanted you to have the choice to make him your laid down lover. God wanted you to have a choice to make him a husband over your life. God wanted you to have the choice to be in one with him. 
God wanted you to have the possibility of doing what is wrong but choosing what is right. God wanted you to have the opportunity to be like him instead of just automatically being something that was created just for. That's what the angels were for. The angels all day, day and night, are worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because they see his glory. They see his majesty. That was their purpose here, is to worship him in spirit and in truth, to worship him all day long. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with his glory. That's their job and their responsibility, but he didn't want you to have that same thing. He wanted you to have the choice to love him. Anybody ever been forced to do something they didn't want to do? How did it feel? It didn't feel good, right? It didn't feel good because it was out of your will. You wanted nothing to do with it. Like when your parents, when you were younger, you got to eat all the vegetables, and you hated broccoli. And she said, you will not stand up from that table unless you eat all the broccoli. And you hated her for it. Because you're like, I hate broccoli. I hate everything that has to do with broccoli. I hate everything that has to do with vegetables. And you hated that about her. But what if God were to do the same thing with each and every single one of us? We would just essentially be robots. And so free will opened the door to sin. But God, to God, free will was a risk worth taking. It was a risk he took, knowing he might lose you, knowing that he might not have you, but wanting you to want him just as much as he wanted you. To him, it was worth the risk. It was worth sending his son on the cross to die. For him, it was worth seeing everything that had to take place. And sometimes that's the attitude that we have to have when we see God, is that if it wasn't for your grace and your mercy, where would I be? If it wasn't for your love, where would I be? What would I be doing at this very moment? Let me tell you, nothing good. And so free will brought forth sin. And sin is the thought, any thought, word, or action that goes against the precepts or will of God. It means to miss or wander from the path of righteousness and honor to do or go wrong. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 and 13, it says, Therefore, just as though one man's, through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. For unto the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. So through one man sin entered, that was Adam. And through another man, the world was redeemed, Jesus. The consequences of the original sin, it brought separation between God and man and opened the door to every kind of sin. And Galatians 5, 19 to 21 says it. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Adam, the moment he ate from the fruit, he opened up the door to everything here. 
to everything that we see in all the world. And sometimes we look at the world and we're like, man, there's so much bad happening. But there was bad happening from the very beginning. The moment that Adam ate that fruit, he opened up the door to so much bad, to so many things that have taken place to greed, to lust, to envy, to be angry, to live in unforgiveness, to walk with pride, to laziness. And it says in Romans chapter 7, verses 14 to 25, and I think, like, this is one of the most realist parts of the Bible. I, I swear to you, this is, like, so real because this is what happens in our internal struggle. I was having a conversation the other day with, with some people, and sometimes, like, the thoughts that come into our head are not actual reality, Right? The things that we think about about people, right? Oh, they, they, they didn't really look at me today. They didn't really say hi to me. They must be mad at me. Like so many thoughts that flood our hearts and our minds push us, right? If we're not careful, if we don't submit our thoughts to the obedience of Christ, will push us to do things like ignore people, like not want to be in relationship with people. Like, I'm not going to be close to you because, or I'm not going to know you because, or I'm not going to do for you because. And we forget that the Bible teaches us completely the contrary to everything. But this is our internal struggle. This is what happens in our minds and in our thoughts. So I want you to keep this in mind. It says, so the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, right? Sometimes, do you under I don't understand myself sometimes either. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to do what is wrong, but I, do, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Yikes. It keeps going, though. But if I do what I don't want to do, and I am not really the one doing wrong, it is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law, but because I, am sin I have a sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Yikes. I am a slave to sin. But there is hope. There is a hope that we find in Jesus Christ. We don't have to live in our sinful nature. God gave us a mind, right, so that we could think. He gave us a conscience, right, so that we can also think. He gave us our heart and our mind so that we can have them all entwined. But if we're not allowing the word of God to penetrate our hearts, then guess what's happening? We're just doing whatever we think is right. And sometimes our good is not always good. Our right is not always right. I always tell people, you can have an opinion and it could be right, but it doesn't make it right. 
Because an opinion in the wrong moment, what it does more than anything is cause strife instead of bring unity. And sometimes it's better and easier for us to keep our mouths shut and just allow God to speak into our hearts through his word so that we can be changed, restored, and renewed. Now, I know I'm asking for a lot because I'm saying, read your word. I'm saying, pray every single day. I'm saying, try your best to do what is good. And the thing, when you do wrong, repent. All those things are difficult to do because they go against our flesh. They go against our very nature. I'm going to be honest with you. It's not always easy for me to pray. It's not always easy for me to read the word. Sometimes I know that I'm like, I'm going to get up and I'm going to read my word. And I get the utmost headache. And I'm like, oh, I really don't want to read the word. I just want to sleep. I just want to sleep the pain away. And God is saying no. He says, in my word, there is healing. In my word, there is restoration. In my word, there is deliverance for the pain that you feel. There is peace. And there is joy and there is goodness. And so when we do that, we're allowing the spirit of God to speak in us and through us. You know that there was a study made? That people who read their Bible once a week, nothing happens, nothing changes. People who read their Bible twice a week, nothing changes either. They still have the same negative outcomes happening, the same attitudes. By day three, there's a little jump and a little shift, but not much changes. But by day four, when you read your word four days out of the week, there was a shift in attitude, a complete shift. This was a study that was actually made by people from the um, version, your Bible app. There was a complete shift. When you disciple people, there's a 200% shift in your attitude because you're walking towards, man, I got this person that is now seeing me as an example, so now I got to try my best to, to be good and do what is good. When, when you read your word four times a week, it even spoke about pornography. The fact that those of you who struggle with pornography won't be doing it because now you're focused on something else. Your focus is on the word of God. And everything negative that could ever happen in your life shifts when you read his word. Because your word is truth. And it speaks life where there are dead things. It speaks life where there is anger. It speaks life where there is strife. It speaks life where there are things inside of you that you're holding God back. You're holding God back from fulfilling the purpose in, in your life. Because you're not allowing him to penetrate the deepest parts because it's too hard. Wouldn't we all rather live in the comfortable if it was up to me, I, me and Ivan, we'd be living in Bali nine months out of the year and come back just to work, make enough money to go back. Because there, life is carefree, right? You don't have any worries. You don't have anything to think about. You're not really thinking about the bills, even though you got to pay them. You're not thinking about the worries of this life because you're on vacation mode. You're not worried about the things that, are, that, that usually worry you. And that's the life we have to live. We have to live a life that's carefree. We have to live a life as if we're living in joy. Let me tell you, the word of God penetrates every dagger, everything that the enemy has tried to steal, steal from you. And let me tell you something. Some of the things that you're struggling with aren't even your own struggles. They're struggles from your past called generational sins. 
There are things that have happened in your, in your ancestry that has caused you to be the way that you are. Some of you have been able to overcome some of the things, but as you notice, as you grow older, the females, those females, we look a little more like our moms every single day. And I denied that to the very end. I said, I do not want to be like Teresa Beatriz Almonte Dominguez de Frasca. I did not want to be like her. I vowed to myself that I was not going to be like her because my mom was very manipulative, very controlling, very just opinionated and very so many things. All the things that I didn't want to be. And as I walked my walk with God, I started to see myself a little more like her every single day. And as I saw that, there was a shift and a difference because I recognized the word of God. And I said, what my mom has done, I cannot produce for my future generations. And I had to make a choice. It stops here. But it doesn't stop here because I'm doing it by my own strength. It doesn't stop here because I just magically decided, you know what, poof, I'm going to stop being bitter. It was a choice that was made, free will. That thing again. That choice that you have to make what is good, to do what is good and what is wrong. Honestly, I can sit here and go on and on and tell you about all the things that are produced from our sin, from our sinful nature. But for that, I invite you to discipleship. For that, I invite you to a class. But I want to leave you with this, that even in your sin, there is hope. And it says, oh, what a miserable man I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God for Jesus. He knows my mind. He knows what I want to do and I don't do. He knows that my sinful nature tries to take over. But you have a choice to allow it to dominate your life or not. And let me tell you, you guys, as sons and daughters of a king, you have certain privileges. And let me read them to you. What does the Bible say in John 1, 12? But to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You guys are children of God. Ephesians 1, 5 says he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. It was his will for you guys to be sons and daughters of the king. Next, it says 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm going to keep going. First John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, until you get it. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it does not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will... And what we will be has not yet has not been appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because he shall see him. We shall see him as he is. And Colossians 3, 1 to 3 says, if then you have been raised with Christ, if then you have been raised with Christ, if then you have been raised with Christ, I'll say it one last time. 
If then you have been raised in Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Because God wants to restore. God wants to redeem. God wants to heal. God wants to bring you into a place of purpose. He wants you to fulfill the purpose that he's placed over your life. But you have to allow him in. You have to accept your sonship, your daughtership. You have to accept that you are sons and daughters of the Most High God and as sons and daughters of the most high God you have certain privileges that no one else has you have certain things that you walk with in authority and influence there are certain things inside of you that no one else can carry because they do not understand God this month is calling us to deeper God this month is calling us to more God this month is calling us To not just be mere Sunday goers, but to be sons and daughters. I don't know how many of you have lived your life feeling like an orphan. Most of my life, I felt that way. And I grew up in church. I've been in church since I was three years old. I grew up there. And in all of that, it wasn't until my late, I'd say, I'd say 1920, where I truly understood what God was calling me to. I went to church from the age of three, but it wasn't until 19 until I actually became saved. So that means that in those 16 years of going to church every single day, there wasn't a shift. There wasn't a change. There wasn't a renewal of my heart and mind. And it was because I was never really taught to read my scriptures and to pursue him. I was just taught to fear him. I wasn't taught to have a love relationship with God. It was always God. It was never Abba. It was never friend. It was never father. It was he is God. He's above. And if I do what is right, He's going to love me. And if I do what is wrong, he's not. And my whole life, I lived in fear of my mistakes. I lived in fear of doing what is wrong. I lived in fear of thinking that, man, I'm not ready to go to heaven. I actually had that question posed to me yesterday. Are you going to heaven? I was like, I sure am. Are you? I'm going because I am saved by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. It doesn't matter what I've done. It doesn't matter what my past has been. My past has only made me who I am today. But it's not going to it's not gonna continue to propel me against God. But it's going to push me towards him because I know that without him I am nothing. I recognize that without his presence I am nothing. I recognize that without him I can't go any further than I've already gone. I recognize that without him. I can't do much. But the Bible says that in him and through things, all things are possible. So if I'm walking with him, there's more possibilities for a future. If I'm walking with him, there's more possibilities to do what is good. 
if I'm walking with him, if I'm walking with him and I'm allowing him to pursue me and I'm opening my heart to be pursued, there is nothing that can hinder us. So I invite you guys this morning to open up your hearts. Open up your hearts to sonship. Open up your hearts to every promise that he's made. Open up your heart to let go of all the things that have hindered you up to this point. To unstock whatever you've filled your heart with and allow him in. Allow him to be the the rivers of living water that you need so that you will never thirst again. Now maybe to some of you, this is foreign, but to how many of you does it make sense? It makes sense. So can I ask you guys to just rise to your feet? And can I ask you to do something maybe you've never done and that's just lift your hands. And maybe ask you to do one more thing that you've never done. And repeat after me, God, I recognize that I need you. Abba, I recognize that I need you. I receive your love this morning. And I receive every good and perfect gift that only comes from you. Father, forgive me if in my walk I've offended you. If in my walk, I've said things and blamed you for things when they were never your fault. I ask for your forgiveness. And I ask you to invade my heart, to penetrate the deepest parts of my heart. And do what only you can do. Begin the healing process. Begin the process of restoration. So that I could be made new again. Father, I just pray for your people and I just declare, God, that there would be abundant life. I declare, God, that there would be just a sense of your love like never before. I declare, Father, that there would be a freedom like never before. I declare, Father God, that there would no longer be orphans in the house of the Lord, God, but there would be men and women of God, Lord God, that allow you to to just reign their lives, to allow you to be, God, who you're calling them to be. God, I just declare and decree, Father God, that these would be people who are laid 
down lovers of your of you God who are laid down lovers God that are willing to do whatever you ask them to do that are willing Lord God to speak life where there is death God that allow you Lord God to penetrate every part of them so Holy Spirit of God we just pray that you would move and you would stir in this place and you would stir every heart God you would stir every heart God that no one would leave this place the same, but that they would leave renewed by your spirit. Holy Spirit of God. Holy Spirit of God. Holy Spirit of God, we invite you into this place to do what only you can do. Dwell in their house. Dwell, God, in their house. We invite you, God, to dwell in their house. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. And I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am child of God. Sing it again. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am your child. I am a child of God. Oh, yes. I'm no We declare this. 